You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And we have a return guest in the form of gentleman, scholar, patron, author, Chris Sienko. Hi, everybody. Welcome my teleporter back. is is half functional right now. I'm not able Yay! to move my body, but uh, uh, my my corporeal spirit has uh, has traveled through the wires to you. So it's uh, it's good to be semi back. It's been a year <laughs> since we had Chris on the show, and it was definitely uh, overdue for a return visit. Yep, it was literally the last thing I did before everything shut down. Wow. <laughs> yep. Pretty much what yeah. a doozy. Pretty much yeah. us. It was that. I think we did our episode with. Jay on Third oh, yeah. Oregon, mm-hmm. and that was it. And mm-hmm. here we are, <laughs> a year later, through the screens, and we're here to discuss TAC TAC. Now, do you say TAC or do you say TAC, Chris? I, I say TAC, though I don't know if I have any uh, backing evidence to say that that's correct. I've always said TAC, <laughs> though. Right, because yeah. it is his initials. It's his initials, yeah. And um, I think also just because his email was like tack noise at, you know, Hotmail or mm-hmm. whatever, I always, I always sort of thought of it as that. And maybe he's he says it like that in a recording, but I really don't remember. And I, I don't think it, you know, at this point, I, I, the world may never know. <laughs> <laughs> right, but we are doing the If It Fits tape on Spite. And really, we had... We had did we did an episode talking about completism when when Chris was last on, and that's available over on the Patreon. And Chris said that Spite was one of the labels that he completed, and so we just simply asked, "Pick a favorite Spite tape, and let's talk about it this week." And this is what we got. And yeah. the you know Chris also has completed his Pure collection. Oh right. yeah, could have could have done that too. Tack mm-hmm. has a pure city out of out of context. Is that what it's called? Yes, out of context. Yep, yep. One of the I think one of the last I think is a ninety seven. Awesome. Yeah. So that's I mean that's the thing is a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today is is pretty out of print, but uh, you can still, as far as I know, out of context still available for for three bucks from. Uh, oh from yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we love thing. a deal. What? <laughs> Before we dive in, you know we got to do some recent listening. Heck yeah! Should we? Let's. How about we do a? Let's do like a sandwich style. We'll do Gray. We'll do Chris. Then we'll do us. How's that sound? Guest sandwich. We yes. call this the Chris sandwich. Chris I like sandwich. it. <laughs> I think from now on I'm just going to go as Chris sandwich. Chris, yeah. Chris sandwich. It's easier Thank to remember. You. Yeah. Hey, well, same initials, so it's <laughs> same fine. Same initials. See us. And yeah. it's your same first name, which you know in right. uh, in undercover. Policery. In, in movies and stuff like that, they always yeah. say you want to have your same first name because you'll respond to it right. without thinking. So Chris Sandwich. It makes get me you. want a sandwich. Though. It does make me want a sandwich. I want a sandwich now. But Chris Sandwich will get to you. <laughs> Great. What have you been listening to over at the Holger Hut? It has been, uh, gosh, I feel like a lot of stuff, but what is sitting on the deck right now that is recently played Noisemakers Fife's. We talked about them, I think, last episode. Uh, soundtracks for the Inner Eye. I got the Public Frontation CD, which is equally awesome. And I am so thankful for Kyle Wright turning us on to this band. Yeah. Uh, oh, they rule. Uh, just a straight up fan of Noisemakers Fife's right now. And 
the there's a picture on the back of their setup with like a piano sounding board and some cymbals and like a zither and all manner of just like sticks and broken plastic and whatnot. It's weird sculptures and it, it looks like it sounds. It's awesome. And also, I hate to just keep bringing up stuff we had. Well, Noiseberger's Feist we talked about on uh, the Patreon, but Bad Sector we talked about in our episode with Kyle. And I grabbed the one that was my entry point uh, and threw that on is the Plasma CD on Old Europa Cafe. And this one's really cool. It's got like source sounds from neon tube radio signal recordings, high voltage transformers, uh, Holter test and pulsar recordings that he sourced from different people. And it's uh, really very cool. Very cool. I think that I, uh, might have something to do with the uh, Council for National Research or whatever that he works for mm-hmm. in Italy. Yeah, right. Uh, the last thing I did in, in L.A. before I, I flew back was uh, stopped in the, the Amoeba over there and found a I found a, a a bad sector tape there as well. It was the it's whatever. It was one of the recent ones. It's the one with the woman hold, uh, drinking the, the bottle of Coke and it's like got golden in the title, I think. I can't remember the name of it right now, but hmm. uh, really good. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's an LP and it, it's it's a real nice like black with like gold foil in our, or gold, Ooh. you know, print. And it's gorgeous. Nice. I love Heck it. Yeah. I miss uh, Amoeba. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, got the new Altar of Flies Work Ethics CD on White Centipede Noise. Uh, I just released an Altar of Flies CD on Contradict. <laughs> so maybe I'm a little biased, but I've been loving his tapes. Uh, you know, mentioned them last year. And this CD is great. A little harsher than the CD I put out. But at the same time, still has the like extended ambient or atmospheric moments to it uh, and nice tape and texture. I just really dig his sound and this one's great. Artwork is real weird. Uh, yeah. Highly recommended. I love his stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm real close to completing a, an altar flies collection, but there's still, there's a whole bunch of like edition nine tour only things that are just not ever going to happen. You know, oh, wow. Ooh, that's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's just phenomenal and has just gotten better and better with every, I'm really excited to hear the, the chondritic disc. Oh yeah, uh, there's I believe one in the mail to you right now. So, hey same, hey hey same same. We got one in the mail. I think it's arriving uh-huh. tomorrow. All right, according to according to that tracking, I got a nice package from Death Neil. I'd had a Bandcamp download of this album before, but to play the record was really nice. The Adaptive Emotional Use LP on Total Black. Uh, Death Neil stuff is really cool strange melody lots of texture harsh bits but it has an emotional weight to it in the in the sound and a nice and interesting progression of sounds so i've been enjoying that i've also been i think i mentioned i got the the split tape with moss harvest a couple episodes ago it's been enjoying that stuff and uh, i think we're going to work together on a cd soon but this lp on total black i think is still available and nice cover worth getting check it out chris what have you been yes. listening to uh i got mostly newer stuff this time around although one one real old one that i uh was able to to find recently that i've really been enjoying so i think the thing i've been listening to most lately um is the the new forces compilation simply called new forces uh it's a cd comp uh and it is a really killer list of uh sort of modern um I guess it's, it's, I guess it's worldwide, uh, you know, breaking the will, skin graft, nod, mass marriage, Rosalka, the Rita, 
Wolf Creek, Neural, Jostad, Trix Reset, Shredded Nerve, Worth. Uh, and it's just, I, I, you know, I, sometimes I, you know, you, you sort of get stuck in sort of like a, you know, your, your area of interest or whatever. And, and, you know, I hear all these sort of newer names and I'm like, Oh, you know, I should hear some more, you know, mass marriage, or I should hear more, you know, worth or Wolf Creek or whatever. And it's nice to, this is, but this is one of those ones that really kind of like set me off and got me thinking about like, Oh yeah, I better, I, I better, um, you know, come to, come to terms with some of the sort of modern, uh, sort of harsh acts. Uh, and speaking of that, I'm very excited about this disc on Tronics, uh, Scald Him, um, Instance of Home. Um, love this. I just got this in the mail a couple of days ago and just been playing the hell out of it. It's, it's, it's a nice combo of sort of, uh, there's some, some real morose, uh, uh cello on it or something or, or violin and, and a lot of, again, that sort of like organic crackly crunchy, maybe sort of hum of the druid e you know uh sounds that i'm really into uh it's it's got that sort of um sort of desolate lonely but also maybe a little little rural sounding i mean that's just the uh the the inner cover which has sort of like a like an abandoned or you know a, a, a campsite somewhere or whatever and um yeah i'm i'm really enjoying that a lot and again that's one of those ones where you know you see the name and you're like oh, i better i better check that out and then uh you know you get the you get a label electronics where you're like, I got I, everything that comes out is mint. So I better, uh, I better check this out. And, and so now I'm, I'm racing for the, the monorail tape and all the other <laughs> recent scald him things. So, yeah, that um, CD is great. I has gotten numerous listens over here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where you finish, you're like, I could stand to listen to that again. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I likened it to that Tourette CD that Tronics did way back mm. when, but it was one of those things that I hadn't heard until I think it was last year. And when I did, I was like, wow, what, what is this? It does so many. Yeah. It does specific things really well and combines them all really nice to kind of, I don't know. It takes you somewhere when you listen to it and that's important to me. So yeah, that I highly, highly recommend this called him. I think it's sold out from Tronics now. So it? track it wow. down where you can. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there's usually a big pile at various distros and so forth. Uh, the third sort of recent one I'm really enjoying and I'm always going to be, you know, I refuse to stop talking about chocolate monk. Basically anyone who knows me knows that uh, <laughs> I'm wearing my, wearing my chocolate monk shirt right nice, now uh, nice. of, of limited appeal since 1993, it says. <laughs> uh, so, you know, of course they've gone, they've gone pretty much all CDR and a couple of cassettes. Everything's sort of editions of, you know, 60 or below uh, and somehow amazingly, despite that don't sell out for a couple of months. So this whole, it is really baffling to me that they are that, that it's that marginal that you can, you can release a 60 copy, you know, disc, or I guess they release sort of five at a time, a lot of times, and they just sit there for three, four months. And you're like, how is this possible? But I just feel like, like chocolate monk from about 2017 to present day is just, has just hit like a high peak. I've always liked them a lot, but like they, they just sort of have found and cultivated this really weird ecosystem of, of UK sort of, you know, basement bedroom, sort of weird acts uh, and they just have such a unique sort of like sound and aesthetic and approach right now. And it, it just guns my motor. So this, this uh, project here is, is called shareholder uh, and the album is called the glass. So it's, it's one of those ones where if you like tell someone I'm really into this shareholder album, it's called the glass. Like the title doesn't exactly like fill you with any sort of, you know, you're like, not, Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. What, what is that? Burning babies uh, <laughs> yeah. punched in the face, you know, whatever, like, um, <laughs> Hard to run through a search engine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I have this sort of like narrative in my head. It sounds to me like 
um, I'm, I'm imagining like a, like a, a, a maybe an early 2000s Serge Gainsbourg like soundtrack. You know, it sounds like something like like Melody <laughs> Nelson. Nope. <laughs> yeah, nope. and then yeah. but like you know like his his producer said, well, we we think you should have like you know it's oh current you should have like tape you know or laptop manipulation in your soundtrack. And you know the thing comes to him and he's like you know he's like give me that I'll fucking do it myself. And he like grabs the laptop away, disappears for a week, and then comes back, gives him the laptop, and there's just like a bunch of like untitled files on the desktop. And they just like, cause it's, it's, it's got like acoustic guitar and sort of flutes and, and tweety sort of like ooh, ooh vocals, but it's just, it's this weird crappy 2003 laptop filter. Like it, it sounds like old laptop manipulation, you know, and it sounds all the crazier for that being that it came out in December of 2020, you know, like it's old <laughs> patches, old sounds, and it's sort of musical and sort of calming but it's also real it's just fucked like it's just like just weird garbly vocals and loops and and sound samples and and I've, i must have listened to this album at least 20 times by now i wow. just awesome. love the shit out of it and it did finally <laughs> unfortunately sell out but you know i hopefully there's a digital copy somewhere in the world so the fourth thing is a lot older it's from 1996 and this is one of those ones where i've only ever seen the band's name in print i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right but it's Alil Straw or Alil Straw. Uh, it is a, I believe, tech uh, from Austin. It is um, Seth Nihil and again, I'm not going to pronounce the name, John Grzynich. They have, they've done a lot of duo albums together. They do the sort of like, uh, you know, they were the early aughts uh, and onward, um, sort of organic sound, uh, early digital sound, a lot of sort of weird combinations. On this particular one, they're joined by Olivia Block, who is now based in Chicago and is just one of the absolute best sound artists in Chicago. She's completely incredible. And she's a, a one-time guest on this Elio Straw disc. And it's all, it's, it's, it's that sort of hands to like, it sounds like they're recording in a cave and they're, and it's all like the, the instrumentation list is all just like, so for tunnels, it's prepared auto harp, detuned hammer dulcimer, detuned guitar, motors, metal, wood, leaves, toy, accordion, recorder, radio, steel pipes, didgeridoo, mounted piano wires, metal railing, rocks, pebbles, and other found objects. All right. So one side is called uh, tunnels and the other side is called stairwell. And I'm, I'm assuming that's maybe where where the two sides are are recorded, but it's it's that kind of uh you know sort of met gumner bone e or you know anaplaneta or you know that sort of like resonant room lots mm -hmm. of rattle a lot of a lot of crackle things like that i super dig it um i found it on discogs for a song for once and uh i've been just another one of those ones that i just keep flipping the tape i love it so that's what i've been listening to lately awesome Heck awesome yeah we've been listening to stuff too yes what? tell me what? about it I can't wait. We yeah. have. I'm gonna. Well, Ooh. Terry, you got the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be. I'll pull that up. So we've been really digging Pat O'Neill's solo. Wait, wait, wait. Do it. Oh, oh I almost got it. Hold uh, on. Uh, Focomulus, though. I think I got it. I heard right. it. Focomulus. Focomulus. Oh. So his, his solo oh. project, Focomulus. I actually we weren't sure how to pronounce it. Uh, but I've been saying that wrong. <laughs> yeah. we, like, we said Funculus for a week. Yeah. And then we I've been were saying like, Focomalus because I'm a complete cretin. <laughs> I mean, we, we weren't sure, but yeah, yeah basically. Absolutely. With, you know, of course, 
Bandcamp Day supporting. Pat put up some of the some of those mm-hmm. recordings. So we picked those up, and then then uh, as well as a new CD that's two old tapes, Deus Irie, and, and another one. But they're it's all great, and it's, it's cool so because good. you know right now with as Gray has said, we live in this great time where there's just new skin crime all the time, and it is a lot in that more the slower atmospheric minimal creep haunted skin crime whereas this is just his project for his just full-on harsh mm. outlet we put it on and we were just so we're like yes this we is just, harsh pat i need this yeah, right now yeah, was, oh my it, god it was really nice and especially so the, the cd with deus i deus irie in it uh, uh, is that how you say that term don't even worry sure. about it. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> it, it, it has. It just has a really nice physicality to it, and it's again, it's just nice hearing an, a good, some good in the red pat. I've been looking up Latin pronunciation, and now I'm deep enough to know that there's two styles of Latin. There's um, there is the Catholic Church's Latin, and then there's traditional Latin. Yeah. And so you can say Deus Irae, and that would be like the Church's Latin, but it wouldn't be that if you did traditional Latin. So I'm all I'm yes, all in my head yes, about it. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all go. in my I, head about yeah, it. I, I, I took four years of Latin in, in high school as well. Oh my I, God, of course you did. Yeah, because I said I was going to be a pastor. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Mike, I'm sorry. And does it come We're going to have handy? to trade Tara for Sienko. We got oh my Latin, God, so. I don't speak Latin. I have to apologize. She had to get off. Sorry. Does it come in handy a lot? How much no, more do I now, need to study? Yeah, I can still pronounce things, but it's like I used to be yeah. able to, I was able to, to spot translate the Aeneid at that point, you know, which oh, was it's so cool. pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's, uh, well, anyway, yeah, yeah, we can, yeah, we can so talk I don't, about I don't this know for hours. I teacher was giving me the right pronunciations, but, you know, I still remember how, how they sounded in my head. Yeah, I, I had no idea that there's so many different ways to to pronounce Latin. It just right. made that's, me angry, so that's, I stopped. That's new to me as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, Facomilus, it's not something you want to Google for the faint of heart. Uh, so well, don't image search it unless well, you're prepared. Well, it just makes me, It actually, we had this conversation yeah. yesterday, the three of us. I just realized how Pat's just obsessed with medical anomalies, anomalies and like medical <laughs> disasters because... Because I mean, you, you have all the images in the skin crime box set. You have stuff like I, the cover mm-hmm. of Eye Strain, and, and then the what this is is the like. I don't know what the proper term it, is. It's a birth defect. And look, Pat mm. is super in touch with all the things that can happen with bodies that can go wrong from inception. <laughs> yeah. That can how, go wrong in the course of life. Collaboration together. Yeah, yeah, All the things that can happen externally versus internally. <laughs> exactly. And you know, and sometimes it just really hits home when you're going through anything. Wrench my neck the other day. Listen to some. Some of Pat's projects Perfect. felt really great. It was felt like he understands. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we got our grubby little hands on the Richard Ramirez Bloodlust tape. This Angel's Ooh. Rusted Halo. Mm-hmm. Wow. Top, nice. top, top tier Ramirez. It's, really good. Yeah. It, it, one, a, a, a one where we just, we kind of had it on. It's it's a full hour mm-hmm. tape. Is that one of the A5 bags or is that oh, one yeah. of the... Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. And just kind of listened to it in silence, had a lot of man, this is good. You know, ten, 5 minutes later, Ugh. man, this is Why good. Why is this so good? It's, just, it's a lot of movement. It's just it's just that great pocket of Ramirez where he's you can just tell he's fully inspired. It's yeah. a lot of it's just a really really great Ramirez tape. And I mean, those Bloodless tapes are truly truly special. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are 
some of the best stuff from the from those artists and talk about wanting to complete that. I mean, that would be a that would be a dream. But I mean, and those are those are much like most spite tapes. Those are edition of fifty. No, you know, mm-hmm. no, no, no second edition. You got to get lucky. They all look yeah. so so good. It's 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 Love the it. uniform look done right. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just oh yeah, pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I got so a that, lot of time for for a unified look like that. I mean, yeah. I like a special package, but man, a unified look, it's yeah. like... Yeah, and I just think great. he really did something... There was really something special about that series. And then before our listening of If It Fits, we put on another tape yeah. by someone I think we all know. I think we do. Yeah, and that would be the special edition cassette that comes with the Hive Mind album mm. the li- the two live yeah. radio shows oh yeah what's interesting <laughs> about that is they're four years apart but there feels like there's some through line through line mm-hmm. to both of those did you use similar equipment what well, what, what is that line what, I, and maybe we're just maybe we're projecting that yeah. on it but it was feels it in the master like there's a through line no there's a there's a reason I mean, there is a reason for that. That f- earlier performance on that tape was sort of when the I side. when I felt like I had the I had figured out what I was going to do for my new record. That that playing shows around that time was like, okay, this is the direction that Hive Mind is headed. This is what I'm doing, and I had put some uh, stuff in the sampler to be able to use, and I was using certain tapes and stuff at the time that. Uh, that have wound up on the record and stuff that that didn't quite make the cut. There's some ideas in there that you obviously don't hear on the the most recent record. And the later set there was recorded days after I recorded the bulk of the source material for the album uh, out at the Salt Marsh here, like an hour and a half from here. And that was. Uh, I actually didn't have all my gear because I was doing recording. I wasn't doing like live performance stuff. So I didn't have a mixer. I was going straight into my interface for this stuff. So I actually had to use a little four channel resistance mixer and then ran that through a reverb. So that one sounds a little, a little different, but that is sort of the ideas that made it to the record. Uh, but even then still different because it's live, still different things. So yeah, some of the same sounds, some of the same ideas, and it was sort of a refinement. So I thought it was interesting to show the point between, where it started and and sort of a crude version of where it wound up on that tape and that's that's why those two pieces were those two things were chosen and they were both on the radio which is a different environment than a live set you know it's it's uh somehow more comfortable and private and closer to a recording session but it's still something that's being captured live with an audience and i really liked that too it's a different sort of feel i can be a little more focused on the performance and not the entertainment. It's interesting you say that too, because it, it, it it's a nice contrast with the um the DVD where you, you know, as you said, you're you're sort of playing as people are coming in or before people are coming in. And and there's in both cases there's this this interesting sort of intentionality of of I'm I'm playing largely for myself. People may hear, may not hear. They're coming, they're not coming, they're listening, they're half listening, they're half not listening, whatever. So there's there's a lot of really interesting like now that now that I know that that you know uh, the the interesting special artifacts that go around the LP um, really sort of add to the story. Yeah, I think that with the DVD, 
deciding I've never played that long before a two hour set was I've done it since for like Twitch streaming kind of things, which is really kind of fun to just explore and spread out and same same sort of thing. Ah, someone's watching maybe, but it's an excuse to just sort of set up and record and do something and maybe try out some new stuff. And that that live show was like, yeah, I'm going to play for two hours and I know no one's going to be there. I'm going to start when the doors open. No one's going to be there. Five people are, you know, who are running the bar and setting up the sound are going to be there. And uh, I think that it's just a different type of performance and different lends a different energy to it. And uh, yeah, I'd like, I like I hadn't actually drawn the parallel with the DVD, but it's it's yeah, and I, I like I like listening similar. suggestions like that where where you say where you say explicitly like feel free to come and go from the room you know go get yourself a drink or come back in a little while and 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 and, and sort of recreate that sort of that that festival wandering feel that you get where you're like I oh, don't see what's going on in here oh here's somebody I haven't seen in a while let's go talk over here <laughs> yeah it's meant to be an accompaniment to your whatever's kind of going on. Not, not necessarily the focus. You can, you can focus on it when you feel like it, but I think a lot of us, especially just in casual listening tend to put something on and we're not sitting and focusing on it. Like we do when we're here doing noise extra, or you know, just doing a concerted listen. It's a soundtrack to doing sort of other things. So live performances can be like that. You can be intently focused on what's happening or you can wander around and move around the room and do other, other things. Uh, it, it depends on the performance and your level of involvement and all that stuff. So, well, it's killer. Yeah. And that is what we listen to gearing up for the listen of this tape. But before we get into that tape, gray, I think we need to have a word from our sponsors. Whether you get off on sonic extremes, skilled think pieces, or psychologically damaging soundtracks for personal ritual, Misanthropic Agenda has got you covered. Misanthropic Agenda is a noise, sound art, and electronic music label founded by Garrett Whitmer in 1998, releasing CDs and vinyl by the likes of Merzbaugh, John Weiss, Joe Colley, Dave Phillips, Francisco Marino, Death Throws, Lasse Marhog, Jason Krumer, LHD, and many more. Use code NOISEXTRA at misanthropicagenda.com to receive free shipping on any size order in the United States. Oh, and they've also got a band camp. Headpress, the publisher of books you love, is offering a special noise extra discount. Buy one music and noise-related book and get another at half price. Books like Fight Your Own War, Spectrum Compendium, Noise Receptor Volume 1, and many more. Offer includes paperbacks, special edition hardbacks not available anywhere else, and digital formats where applicable. So buy one book and get the second cheaper book at half off. For a limited time at headpress.com. T-A-C or TAC, whatever yeah. you're, we're probably, uh, Tom, gonna, we're probably, I Tom bet Cox, I'm going to, Thomas A. Cox, I don't know what the middle initial yeah, stands for. Alan. Yeah. I bet, I bet we're going to go okay. through, oh, yeah, Alan. I bet we're going to say both Aloysius. throughout the entire episode. I'm probably going to switch back and forth. I know yeah. if I know myself. Also, I, I use it, I, I say TAC to sort of differentiate it from the Italian industrial group TAC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was that was go. a very easy that was a very easy one to to mistake back in the day, and you know they were both sort of recording at the same time. Yeah, TAC was capital T dot capital A dot capital C dot, whereas this is all smalls TAC no dots. So it, it's so what are the odds of two TACs in the same era? So strange. Wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if it fits, um, yeah. spite from yeah, ninety-eight. So- Yes, that sounds right. Um, yeah, so I mean, do y'all want to talk about spite first? I mean, we can just dive in whatever you yeah. think is a good way. If you let's let's, let's yeah, go. You know let's what? talk about spite. Let's talk it about sounds spite. Great. For yeah. anybody who is unfamiliar with spite, it's time to rectify that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So but, I don't, I, I don't remember when spite started exactly. I want to say about 96, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I discovered him probably through Joel St. Germain, you know, who runs the label, uh, probably through like alt dot noise, maybe like an old Usenet. Oh yeah. Type thing maybe. Um, or just, you know, correspondence. There's lots of stuff where you just, you just sort of find it. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think we just sort of started corresponding around 97 or 98 and, you know, right from the beginning, he was doing interesting releases. He was doing, you know, his, his project, Humectin Interruption. And then he was doing, I think it was a Richard Ramirez tape pretty early on, a, a Molest spread tape em. early on. Yeah, I spread love em. spread em. Yep. Yep. Automatic Nonsense by Molest, another classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just remember, uh, so I think he was in New Hampshire at the time living with his parents and he moved to Kalamazoo around 97 or 98, I think. And, you know, we'd been emailing back and forth and he's like, well, why don't you come down and, and visit? And I was in, you know, Saginaw. And uh, so I, I remember driving to his place and it, it was, it was weird. I think, I don't know if he lived alone or someone else, but uh, it happened the day that I showed up um, the, the guys behind flutter and napalm Jesus were there as well. I don't know if you remember those names. Oh yeah. Flutter of Flutter, but not of course. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we all kind of hung out for a while. And I remember they kind of went off and played video games for a while. And and Joel and I just kind of looked at his collection and and all the sort of like American tapes and weird lathes and you know, check out this thing. It's got a you know hoof or check out this thing or whatever. And I I remember just we just got on like house on fire instantly. Like he's he's a really funny, interesting guy and and was just really a complete fanatic for, for noise. And I think what I liked so much about spite was it was not at all. I mean, he, he did a really good job of like capturing like the best version of every band, but there was not that sort of like, it's just this, you know, like when you look at like the, the, the wide variety of stuff that he put out, you know, from, uh, you know, like Smack Music 7, Karen Constance over to MSBR, over to Smell and Quim, over to uh, Evil Moisture, um, you know, Crack Fear, Sudden Infant, Ceramic Hobbs, AMK. You know, it's just all over the place. It had like a it's an interesting label because it does have an identity, but yes. with, without uniformity. I mean, you know, we're talking about the mm-hmm. great bloodless uniform tapes, but something there was there really there's no real uniformity with spite but you just kind of know it's a spite tape yeah when you see it partly that great that great label logo too the, I mean, the, it's, the, the, the woman with the gun or whatever I, I never quite knew what the pieces were to it but as soon as you saw it you're like oh that's gonna be good joel was definitely a big influence and inspiration to me like starting a label i assisted with uh like helping assemble some of the spite stuff i'd i'd go over to his place and he'd play me like i remember he played me uh destroyed music charcoal that was like the first wow. time i'd heard that and he had all these nice. insane noise artifacts i had just you know started collecting and getting more underground stuff than like some some relapse cds and digging up like handmade tapes and stuff and seeing like a tape with a pig ear attached to it and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know these like hand painted weird things from that time and uh I yeah, remember his record like, collection is nuts the print goko he had a print goko which is the sole reason i own one now is from using it then and i remember like showing me burning like a little screen on it and stamping i think it was maybe the neural tape he did oh uh, yeah that, that had that but um it was a an introduction to a whole world of noise that i was looking for but sort of unaware of and he was tapped into it i mean if you look at the spite catalog if you look at the releases he did 
there was so much stuff and and from like from tech to k2 to you know like all just all over the place with mm-hmm. kind of the style all over the world too yeah it was definitely all over not, the world yeah it wasn't regional it wasn't uh, a certain a certain flavor or whatever and it but it also didn't ever sort of reek of like well these are the popular artists right now so i gotta try and get them like it like i he liked everything that he put out as far as i can tell and 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 would like to, i think i kind of enjoyed the frisian of like putting like a Sukora tape next to a 666 volt battery noise tape or something like that, you know? Exactly. Yes. And I also like that he wasn't, he wasn't uniform about, it wasn't an all special packaging label and it wasn't a no special packaging label, you know, like every, right. mm-hmm. I think every single release was sort of like considered on its own merits to one degree or another, you know, and it goes through phases where it's like the little, uh, you know, the little bag with the, the, the paper, you know, covers. And then it would be like, okay, now it's all sort of Naruko boxes for a while, but then it would be like, you know, the, like the fester tape, which is, you know, covered in like chicken wire and, and fake blood and, and, you know, and you're like, well, what, what brought that on? Or like skin crime, king of the death match, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. There's no better sign of a nineties noise tape than putting some chicken wire on that thing. <laughs> That's right. That's how you know where you are. Yep. That's it. Right. It's like a mile marker get, on the highway right there. <laughs> you got to get pointy. You yeah. know, at some point yeah. you got to have some pointy. There's a chance you could poke yourself with your, with your own uh, treasured uh, item. I mean, car- carrying carrying King of the Deathmatch up from downstairs was just like I literally, literally did poke myself like four uh, times. Y'all yeah. can't see it, of course, but as kindly mentioned, Chris has completed a spite collection, and so he ha- has brought his spite collection along for a discussion with us. Too, he's randomly mm-hmm, grabbing mm-hmm. items from the archive over here and showing them to us. So. I couldn't help it. I like to show things. Too I ugly. Like to- yes. Oh, you know, something obviously we love is the artifact nature of everything we talk mm-hmm. about and everything we go into sure. and the interesting things that are written in a lot of the notes. Now, do you have the spread them tape next to you? The Richard I don't have it with tape? I could I could, I could go downstairs. And it's, grab it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Because but I'm pretty sure that it, there's in the notes of that tape, it says this is the last release as Richard Ramirez. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I gotta and, look that it, up again. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously is not the case, but I love. <laughs> yeah. Looking yes. back when there was a, there was a moment where he thought that this was the last solo Richard Ramirez release. Yeah. Not that I enough to put it in the notes. And then, but obviously it didn't happen, but I... I kind of wish that every release after that said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just, but, but, can we retroactively add that? But it's also, it's that fun, it's that fun look of going back and seeing yeah. the catalog with the the upcoming releases uh, that never Oh, never my, my favorite of that is the uh, the Harbinger th- triple LP set and the Vultures Miss Nothing, the booklet that comes with it. Because, I mean, that was like, that came out like something like seven or eight years afterwards or whatever. And so there's a lot he, of like coming yeah. soon things that yeah never happened or went elsewhere or did another thing. And I, I mean, I, I know, you know, it's I, I know Steve has mixed feelings about that or whatever, but seeing. Uh, you know, these sort of alternate reality versions. Oh, actually, I have one with me. So uh, go on. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. What, what do you, you have? You have an alternate okay, reality. So, uh, I was going through sort you? of my old my old paper sort of collateral. And so one of the things that I found was uh, a little collage zine that that Joel put out called Nude Blonde Beauty Queen and the Passion Inflamed Stranger. And it's <laughs> it's like a classic sort of like. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what you would even call that. Just like a like a sort of a sexy 
comic book or something like that. And it's, it's all, you know, it I looks think great. Listeners, a, it looks yeah. great. Just so you guys know. Yeah, it's got that kind of 50s <laughs> kind of like, you know, what like a lurid version of the 50s. People are kissing and then it has sort of a different text coming out of their word, word bubbles, you know. So there's like a, a man and a woman doing the sort of like dramatic soap opera holding each other and. And he says, Q, I've only had this this set three weeks or three days or maybe three months. If it's giving trouble so soon, maybe I should get another set. And then she says in response, quote, I don't go the dyke scene. So um, and then someone else is listening in. Uh, you know, it's a lot of it's 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 I think he said he got the the text out of like um like some some other porno mag or something like that. I want you to fuck me. She mumbled. I want I need you inside me. This one says, uh, even though they're just wow. sort of like sitting and sitting and staring off into space. <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, so there's another another classic. Um, is that so, is that is that does that have a catalog number? Is it considered a release? It's, I don't think Do it's know? a release. It was more of a promo thing. So it's mm-hmm. it goes on like this for a while, and then on the back is a is a giant spite logo. Um, mm-hmm. but at the end of it, uh, in the same style was a one sheet, uh, catalog page. And so it's got the same, it's got a red version of it oh, and wow. the spite logo. Um, and one of my favorites there, I, I felt like the center of an erotic triple decker sandwich. Someone says, so <laughs> speaking of Chris sandwich, um, uh, triple decker, Chris sandwich. <laughs> yes. So it, it's, it's got the first 31 spite releases on it. Uh, so, um, Stimbox, meltdown, humectant interruption service and whelping zone glue for the masses. There's no, there's no catalog, uh, copy in here. I just wanted to also say like, I think there was an early version of the spite page on like a geo cities, which means it's impossible to, to way back machine at this point, but his catalog copy was so good. Like he was really low key funny about his own products. He would say things like with the Sucora tape, he was like, this is the only tape that I consistently enjoyed listening to all 50 copies of, or, and he said, it sounded like someone picking up and putting down a piece of plastic in the next room, you know, (laughs) you know, so he was, he, he, he loved the stuff, but he was also like very sort of like funny and, and not overly precious about like his own, his own releases as well. So at the end of it, um, Oh, first of all, here's something that'll make you like, cry tears of blood postage $1 for first item 50 cents each thereafter <laughs> wow. ever feel like you're in a completely Woo. different timeline yeah yeah <laughs> speaking of alternate timelines here is a um a list of coming ups that uh that were that were planned for spite some of which came to life and some of which didn't i'm going to read them out and see if we see it's, if we recognize yeah, i like it hey coming up uh, a project called Inosh at et al. Do you know that one? Nope. Inosh at et al. was a planned collaboration between Andy Bolas and Tom Smith of To Live and Shave in L.A. <laughs> Which I just saw on Facebook a few weeks ago. They are resuming and might well be finishing sometime this year. Please, <laughs> please it's, been on, it's been on ice since about the time of this catalog copy. <laughs> That's um, a long time coming. That's a long yeah. time to get back to it. <laughs> it was going to be a lathe cut 8-inch. And then after that, Humectant Interruption TADM collab lathe cut 8-inch. Oh, wow. Two, two assistant deputy ministers. Yep. Yep. Jay Soddy. Um, Kazumoto Endo Third Organ collab lathe cuts 8-inch. Oh. Right? That would have been sick. <laughs> Is that material even around? I would like to oh. know. Uh, one Dark Eye Macronympha Split C30 so, came to, I mean, hey, be, came be to be life. Right. It is possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crank Sturgeon 3 times C46. Came to life as a fork as a fork set on. And, yo, yeah, that's a, as a, that's actually one we we do have. Yeah, I've got that yep. one too with that uh, that elongated booklet. Yeah, 
yeah and and the and the uh, the request to play all four tapes and different tape decks around your house yeah yeah <laughs> bless up oh. uh six 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 volt battery noise c46 which i think so came out. cool what what an incredible project oh yeah yeah and and you know finally getting its due now i feel like uh skin crime c60 probably king of the death match i would assume um oh here you go incapacitance double seven inch Oh. Came out as came out on on Torden Lude as the Zaki Barawashi effect, I believe. I'm probably saying it wrong. Oh, oh uh, right, that, right, that, right, That CD that came out is the first four tracks. I think are the double seven inch tracks that oh, we're going to be on. Wow. This. Okay. So wild. Uh, Expose your eyes. The Shite Girls split C46. I think that one came out. Yeah, that one came um, out. That that one's that's a, that, I know there's a Shite Girls, and I I thought it was I can remember it was Expose your eyes on the other side. Uh, Smell and Quim C46. How we doing? Uh, yeah, government Alpha C46 uh, yep. came out. Spread Spectre, I think. Uh, the Rita C30. No, Spread Spectre oh, yeah. is the ground That's fault. The ground fault. Yeah, what is yeah. the... I can't think of what it's called. It's got like a... It's got like a transparent overlay of the same thing. So you have like the a black and white version and then like a clear blue one. And, so and it's you like kinda, the it's like the government off the drawing, right? Yeah, style, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty slick. Um, the Rita C30, which is Krusty Etruscans, I believe, which is really good. Uh, oh, and here, oh man, adult entertainment for the hard of hearing double C90 compilation. That sounds fun, and huh? That sounds, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Fun. Is, there a, is there a list of participants? Nope. Bam. Just dot, just oh. dot, 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 et cetera. We're gonna have to find <laughs> that. Well, let's make that. In any form. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so I, you know, I wanted to sort of, um, you know, drop some, some, some faves. Uh, do you guys want to talk like fave, fave spite releases? Cause like there's, I have like a list of definitive spite releases, underrated spite releases and very mysterious spite projects. You know what? Let's just, I'll, you get <laughs> it started. Just get it started. I'm yes. so into this. This yeah. is great. So to me, like, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's in, I, uh, great. First of all, super duper duper kudos on the uh, Kenny Sanderson um, trashware. I loved, 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 loved hearing Kenny talk about his, his, his rig and his setup and everything. And I got to meet him at end times in, in 2015. And it was great because he said something like, he's like, Oh, you wrote a nice review of me back in 1997. I just wanted to thank you for that. I'm like, man, that is, <laughs> that is elephant's memory right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. He really does have a great memory and he was a lot of fun to talk to, especially yeah. he he's a, he's a gearhead, you know? <laughs> you, oh yeah. You can tell. Yeah. So I was just going to say that up until, you know, uh, uh, for a very long time, I thought the mad cat barely smiles by facial mess was like, the best facial mess out there. Like I still, I still play the hell out of that tape. I think it's incredible. Um, and you know, I, I, I think it still holds up. I mean, obviously he, he improved his rig and, and, and got faster and, and snappier and whatever, but I still think that that one's just crazy listenable. Um, uh, the MSBR, of course, there's the, the infamous number five with the pig snout, but also uh final harsh work number two, uh, which came out, uh, in just a real simple, just like, it was just a, a green paste piece of um, like, you know, heavy paper stapled in half, you know, it's one of those kind of deals where you're like, Oh, all right, thanks. Um, but the sounds on it, it's, it's just great. It's almost kind of like, like heavy, like synth electronics or something. It's, it's not as harsh as you would expect for a final harsh work, but it's, man, that record is, is the whole business. Um, of course, pushy Gothic gnome versus charity techno gnome. Never, never tire of listening to that. Um, one that's sort of gotten a lot of, uh, love again is, is the, the moat moti. How do you pronounce? Uh, I say moat, I say but moat. I know a lot of people, yeah. I know people definitely say moti. Tara T- found out that it's, I didn't find, I mean, it's just a, 
just moats, just a thing. Well, so I'm saying I'm, you found right. out that it's a piece of dust, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. That's my yeah, I, didn't like little, I didn't know like that. It's like a little thing. I'm saying you found yeah. out. Well, yeah, I, I knew. It's yeah. a, I, I learned moat that when eye. I was. Yeah. yeah. Clive Barker taught me that because oh. I, I went through a phase when I was reading Clive Barker that I wrote down every word that I didn't know because I wanted to see if he was making some of them up. Oh. Um, and then some are just so antiquated that you can't find them in, you know, like recent dictionaries. But he mm. uses a lot of words that have gone out of usage. And I do specifically remember looking up moat while reading yeah. Books of Blood. Well, yeah, I didn't know you talked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 and again, it's called, I think it's either taste die mad or taste D mad or whatever. The, the yeah, right. tape on, on spite was, was one of those ones that I think kind of disappeared instantly. And, and people are really, you know, we're pretty stoked to see the CD again. I remember the, the macro one dark eye split tape being especially noteworthy, especially with the, the one dark eye side where he, he covered Toru Takamitsu. He did like a, a, a rendition of like a, a music concrete piece, uh, Sky Horse and Death. And just thinking like, wow, this is, you know, I, I was, I loved Macronymph at the time, but you know, that, that just felt like it, it sort of like opened up a whole new sort of understanding of like, you know, where they were coming from and stuff like that, rather than just like, you know, a face punch, um, you know, skin crime, king of the death match. I mean, nothing, I mean, I, nothing I, to be said that can has not yeah. been said on this show. I was going to say, I would, I would probably put that up at number one over here on the yeah. Connolly side of the screen. I it mean, changed the course of our lives. Yeah. It put you on the quest there. That's yeah, right. Sure That's did. right. So, so I, to me, some underrated, uh, spite releases, um, uh, you know, there's a uh, Joel's got a fair number of his his own his own projects released on their Humectin interruption. Uh, the live at RRR tape, if you haven't heard that. Is oh, man. Yeah. It, it comes with tape. a piece of broken cable, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, not my, mine doesn't, unfortunately, but mine. Um, but it does come with a, a Xerox copy of the um, the the RRR uh, list of performance rules. <laughs> oh, you know, awesome. Wow. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, read, read them Please. again. I, I know we, we've discussed, but read, the, read <laughs> it, these. This is my favorite. So, so yeah, here's the uh, here, here's the list of rules. One, no rock and roll. No, <laughs> no sensitive singer songwriter crap. Three, no poetry. Four, no fire, smoke, etc. Five, no nudity. Six, no bodily functions. Seven, no stupid stuff. Eight, eight no extreme volume. Nine, no confrontations. And ten, no nothing. I love it. <laughs> Dude, no stupid stuff. That covers no so stuff. much stuff. Yeah. Oh, no bodily functions? Like breathing yeah. or Oh, I think no, I think no, no, I think no pooping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, anything that would that would damage the merchandise. There's no, yeah, no smoke and no fire. That's going to, yeah. uh, going to yeah, make your, no, your record store a, a whole lot less valuable. But it, right. I remember it just being like, uh, I think he said he was like literally like spinning quarters on the table and it's, it's a real like quiet low key. And there's a thing at the oh, end, wow. there's a recording at the end where, where Joel's mom t is telling him like, uh, you know, I got, I got errands to do. We got to go now. And, and Ron laughs and says, my mom used to say that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's just a wonderful moment, you know, like it's so low key and nice. Um, oh, and you know, awesome. and then it, the, the fact that it was, you know, it was probably followed up by like, you know, crusty Etruscans by the Rita or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. like <laughs> just great. Um, Armenia putrefied lovers. I always thought that was like an under, you know, like I like Armenia. There's, there's again, there's a million of them. Uh, that one particularly, I remember really liking, and I think it was supposed to be a split with the dead body love tape that came out and they ended up coming oh, out wow. for some reason, but, um, 
Uh, oh, another underrated sort of mysterious project, Room. Do you remember R H E U M? That was an early moniker of Russ Waterhouse mm-hmm. of uh, White Tapes. I did. I that's one I never knew what it was. Yeah, me yeah. Yeah, the solo nope. joint tape. It's it's uh, again, it's like total Senko catnip. It's just that sort of like lo-fi room tone, squeaky hinge. Uh, sounds like someone just like just fucking around in a public bathroom or something like that. You know, it's got a lot of sort of natural room echo and and it's just odd. It's, it's up my alley. A lot of that sort of uh, more contemporary like uh, Markin and your technet sound stuff to me is is in that vein of like for sure daily life mundane weird maybe surreptitious field recording Mm -hmm. stuff collaged into something that's instantly transportive Uh, i love it yeah i have to hear that one now and then the um another one that that's sort of near and dear to my heart uh ceramic hobbs noisy tape 11 years in the making so like joel um you know hounded simon morris for a long time to give him a a ceramic hobbs thing that was specifically kind of noisy and and so i think simon sort of went through his tapes and found you know examples of the hobbs doing sort of like feedbacky workouts and and sort of uh, you know less musical thing shall we say a lot of live recordings a lot of just splattery mess it's not quite like smell and quim level depravity but it's it, it's definitely an anomalous ceramic hobs tape and 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 a nice a nice piece on on spite there yeah rest in peace Sing. simon morris absolutely absolutely uh, and then there's there's three mis- really mysterious spite projects to me. I don't. I'm hoping maybe you guys have some some knowledge about it. There's Let's there's see. Fester there's Fester that I mentioned before. It's it's the chicken wire package. It's F E S T E R exclamation point Fester. Uh, not a clue who that is. Is that uh, do you guys know? I, I think even in mm-hmm. the catalog it said from this mysterious project. And I don't think he even told me. <laughs> um, no, there's I don't also, know. That. We'll have to save that question. Yeah, we're gonna have to find out. Uh, there was one called Amel Migraine. Do you know that project at all? I remember that. I do remember that project, but I don't know that I have any idea what it sounds like. A vague sing song in my ear. Slight. What is it? Mostly crushing, but slightly painful, but mostly crushing. It's it's, it's a great title. Whatever it is, it, I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't no. think there's any no. other Amel migraine tapes out there as far as I know. I, I, I remember him. I think he even maybe did kind of a did kind of a, a, a runaround for me. I think he said something like, you know, someone someone sent this project to me and I just thought that was the best like name in the world. So I decided to release it, you know, so <laughs> I think he did a little bit of that obfuscation with me there. The joy uh, of running the- a noise label is you can just do that. You get to you get to be all the characters, and then the third one was um, tension hook. Do you guys do you guys know that one? Yes, but why? But why? But why? Yeah. But why? I actually, yeah. I feel like we is, just discussed. Tension I was hook. discussing this with yeah. somebody, uh, yep. another friend of the podcast, and yeah. all of ours, and talking about how that is a holy grail spite tape. Yeah, total total mystery. But I don't remember. I don't right now uh, on the top of my brain. I don't remember if it was established who that was or not. I think it remains a mystery. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but what a great name. Yeah, we certainly. Yeah. Attention yeah. is a good name. Attention name. Yes, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So you guys want to like you? You what are your some of your when your 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 spite raves? I mean, you know, like you said, King of the Death Match. I mean, spread them. I mean, spread them. We don't have it, but it's our favorite because of the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's our it's our favorite because it's Ramirez. Yeah, King of the Death Match scratched up 
my new table. We got yeah. a new coffee table. And, the, and then I was like checking out and King of the Death Match before I realized that I scratched the hell out of the table. Then, so that was cool. And then Pushy Gothic Gnome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cherry Gnome, of course. Classic. Yes. And I mean, yes. you know, Gray and I really bonded on that very early on. Yeah. That was that was a super early uh, friendship moment for, <laughs> for yes. us on that team. Mm, yes. And especially yes. because there's 50 of them. And well, we like the three of us have it, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, now, and thanks to my wonderful reissue, which is still available, right. you too can have <laughs> a couple hundred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's one that hangs in my studio and watches over me daily, which oh, is I know what it is, and, and I, I we drool over it. Taint where the whores oh, yeah. lathe cut seven inch that's mounted on my wall in the studio. Yep. Um, the the live at Triple R one is a is a big is a big one yeah. for me. Uh, just because I got that from Joel very very early on, and some of them, you know, I had a hand in like helping to make. So some of those, like the TV Pow one. Yeah, uh, I, Great. I printed the inserts and the transparencies and stuff for that. And like the neural one, like I said, I think I stamped stuff with Goko. I helped out a little bit on some of those. And so they they have a very special place to me because I hadn't made a tape before. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is years mm-hmm. before I started Chondritic. Uh, yep. And I hadn't made like, you know, dubbed a t- tape off the radio or dubbed a CD or something, but I hadn't made a tape. So those ones are pretty special to me. Uh, a really cool relatively modern or maybe even one of the last ones he did is uh, Kevin Drum Impish Tyrant, Impish Tyrant that, which yeah, I think has a, a go code one. cover too it's got the that sort mm-hmm. of white ink on black paper I, if I remember, I, I got that from him at the first No Fun Fest No Fun yeah, yeah. so did we and I, I like I said I'm, I was Merch I Heaven yeah oh yeah and, and I don't remember <laughs> I'm not sure how much he did after that I know yeah. he had some things in the works but yeah, there's that, that runs a certain LP that came out after that. Split with the Beast People, yeah. 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 Oh, right, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really wild record. Incapacitance, Autoerotic Christ, Split 7-inch. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, that, that, that yeah. trio of, of, of seven inches is, 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 is just such a great variety, too. You've got Super Noise Penis, which is hilarious and strange. You've got Incapacitance, Autoerotic Christ, which is just a straight-up, like, slap to the head, you know? And then you've yeah. got the K2 in spite of flaming creatures, uh, prick DK thing, which is somewhere just a, a, just a muddy mess in the middle there, you know? And, and I I like that they all kind of came out at the same time and, and, uh, yeah, we're just so completely different from each other. And of course, super noise penis. If you want to go back in time and hop over on the Patreon, you can hear the four of us discuss super noise penis last Sunday. Yeah, but those seven inches are so awesome. And, if, you yeah. know, of course, you know, we've talked about Incapacitance, Autoerotic Christ, seven inch on the Patreon as well. I believe that it has the Bonds and Bonds and Bonds title. Mm-hmm. Or is that I Hate? No, no. I Hate Derivatives is the Incapacitance. Um, <laughs> That's the MSNP one. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So, and also, yeah, he, he, you know, the, the, I, there was always that sort of perception with certain tape labels that it was like, well, I'm just going to do tapes until I have enough money to do other things. But like Joel stayed like team tape for the whole the whole time. Like he did some LPs. He did a couple of couple of CDRs, a couple of other things. But it was it was tapes, man. You know? Oh, was, yeah. Totally. I, I feel like that was probably the, the year of hand dub tapes, too. There, I don't there wasn't a whole lot of like. Do you know if he did any much like actual like professional duplicating or? I, I think everything imagine. was dubbed mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, like one hundred percent was a yeah. was a that's cottage industry. Thousands of tapes there, man. Thank you. I mean, no one, no one was using NAC and that stuff. Like no one right. on the noise level, I feel like back then was doing pro dub tapes, especially 
editions of 50 or whatever. It yeah. was just hang out, th- listen to the tape and dub it or, th- you know, throw on another record and, and dub the tape while you do it and just, just go. And especially, I, I feel like a lot of people didn't have tape dupers back then. It was like single deck yeah. tape dubbing. Or, or that was that was how tower. that was how you killed a tape label. <laughs> if you had if you were just doing tape one tape to one tape dubbing, man, that's that was that was that was the definition of burnout. It have a, a, a tower, man. In in two thousand three, I think uh, Dillaway and I built like a ten. Yeah, tape once deck you can, tower. Once you can start chaining them together, I feel like that changed the game, man. Uh, one we don't have, but I've always wanted to get is the to live and shave in L.A. Yes, Dixon's the Mortal Ring. Such a great title. What what mm-hmm. style shave is that? It's it's a it's a it's a compilation of um, live tracks, and so it's it's definitely not like the densest. It's it's a lot more like Mike from you know different parts of the room at like Churchill's or something like nice. that. You know, live performance. There's at least one absolutely. Like they definitely recorded or, you know, released at least one like completely catastrophic show. There's definitely one where like Tom is just yelling at the audience. You, you know, you, you heathens, you don't get it or whatever. You know, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> definitely, there's definitely a, a, a failure track on there uh, as well as some like pretty, uh, pretty intense stuff, but it's, and it's a C90. I mean, it's, it is a lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of shade. Wow. Baby. You know, wow. shade. probably the, the prize of my collection of spite stuff which is not as extensive as yours but uh, mm-hmm. it was an early one and i was going to mention it when you were talking about you know joel's own project service and whelping love the title yeah. love the cover yes. love the assembly of the like color copy crudely stuck to a like a piece of you know like colored paper from kinko's like it feels very homemade yeah but it was a really good introduction yeah it, yeah. it was when i got that and i was like yeah this i'm in <laughs> i like the sound I, I thought it was it was a really cool sound that I wasn't really hearing at the time it was some some weird sort of you know loops and repeats and and just you know i think i think he even admits he was still kind of finding a sound at the time but like as an early you know feel them out kind of thing goes i thought it sounded terrific yeah as a lot of the humectant interruption stuff around that time was really great and exploratory too. Like those, there's just sort of sounds and approaches that I think, uh, you know, I, I would say that this tack tape feels in that way too, where you're like, I wouldn't really know how to make this. If I were going to go recreate this, I, I wouldn't know what to do. And that's, I'm glad to hear that. Cause I don't have the, Foggiest idea. <laughs> well, I mean, I that's, got a pretty good idea. Okay. Well, I mean, I, um, I'm actually in the same boat as not really having an idea as we get into the tack if it fits tape, and this is a strange one. Yeah. So and we yeah, loved it. Again, in the in the sort of lo-fi special packaging uh, sweepstakes, this came in a brown paper lunch sack. Uh, it's got a, a, a sort of stripped photo collage. So you have sort of like four long strips of different photographs glued together. Uh, this sort of, it looks like a corner of some sort of like maybe a computer image or whatever glued on there. And then on the other side, you got the uh, the iconic Spite logo. And then just a huge a, logo. I love a it. big. Oh, I know. I know. Spite looks. It looks so yes. good in, in big logo form like that. Uh, and then just real simple. If it fits. Dot 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 dot. Recordings and package. Nineteen ninety eight. Tack. Spite thirty three. Kalamazoo. An addition of fifty copies. And you know. And the tape. Um, That's so it's, the info. It's, it's, and the it's paper very, it's bag special. is so good. It's very special. It's very homemade, but it's also not precious. And uh, you know, this was this was just about at the sort of the the crest of like a lot of you know 
uh, limited edition of six acetates and velvet, you know, book book binding, you know, like there was there was definitely a give and take, you know, and I don't think people talk enough about like why why pure was so radical at the time, because that was really like, at the point where there was this expectation that every tape worth its or noise album worth its salt was going to be like, luxuriously packaged, not just special package, but luxuriously packaged and to just just throw these these black discs out at people and be like, take it, take your noise, take it, you pig. You know? <laughs> so I, I always appreciated things like this, where you have the sort of like, you know, the the the, the sort of low, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're low stakes, but very personal feeling, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like Brian Rurick or something like that, where he, his I, like Brian Rurick's mom, I think worked in a, like a school lunchroom. And so like all of the recycled envelopes that his tapes came in were all like from kids lunch money and stuff like that. Brian Rurick, who also oh. has a spy tape. That's right. A, tr- a triple <laughs> tape, a triple C2. <laughs> but the, the packaging on this was done by tack as yeah. credited on the thing. So Joel didn't, uh, you know, maybe, maybe glued the spite logos on, or I don't, I don't know, right. but tack credits himself with the packaging, which I think is also an interesting thing that you don't really see happen. Like we've heard about, uh, you know, MSBR sending the packaging for the metal stricken terror action cassette. And, you know, people would send elements and here you have someone doing their entire packaging run and run and sending it to the label to put the tape in. And yep. to, to me, it's weird because the packaging has always been sort of one of the label responsibilities, uh, right. as, as I think of it, as the label has to deal with the manufacturing of the physical object. But here, uh, here we see something a little different, and I, I like that. And I think that that's one of those things that has changed over time, and maybe it's a product of sort of when I started my label, which is, you know, a handful of years after this tape came out. Yeah, and what's and what's available now? I mean, not every, you know, not ever. Now it's pretty easy to say like, uh, you just send me a file of whatever your artwork is, or send me stuff, or get get a thing fabricated, or whatever. Like, yeah. You imagine just fifty lunch bags with photo collage glued to them showing up in your mailbox. I would be so happy. <laughs> so cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Please, someone send that to me. Terry, you said you think you know what's happening on this tape. Do tell. Oh, I mean, clearly it's like a rainstorm that happens in an isolated cabin in the woods and then the generator runs out of gas and then they restart the generator and then it keeps raining. I mean, clearly that's what yes, happens yes. on this cassette. There's <laughs> what? such a crudeness to the sort of rain texture because I, I did make that note, especially on the B side, it becomes more apparent, but there, it's... Uh, there's sort of a constant movement in it that that is entirely random, like in the way that rain would be. The sound is a consistent sound, but it's uh, iterations, repetitions and, and like peaks and valleys are fully randomized. And there, the wind is howling on this tape. There is a l- low howl the whole time, mostly. Yeah, it's the sound is organic ish, like. <laughs> You can right. tell that it's there's some processing and manipulation, but overall, like it, the sounds are are very organic and and made yes. by something. I like yeah. organic ish because organic ish. It truly it feels like it's yeah. a simulation of yeah of what you said. I mean, when, yeah. when you said it's you not sh- just field recordings, like there's there's right. a human yeah. hand, right, right, for sure, yeah. right. right. And when, once Tara said out loud, jet cabin generator. 
cabin in the woods with rain. That is the only image that I had moving forward on the tape because that is that <laughs> is the feeling you get. And there is this sputtering that goes throughout both sides. I mean, it does yeah. feel that. I mean, th- both sides. This is a C forty six. Yep. It, it's it's one long. It feels like one long thing. I mean, that yeah. sputtering goes through both sides pretty much the entire way. There's a few stops and starts, but mostly that sputtering is the consistent thing. Throughout. Yeah. And when it initially started, I just assumed it was like a vibrator or a vibrating toy or, you know, anything that makes like that, zzz, you yeah. know, and then from there it goes through varying speeds and varying manipulations through equipment. And it sounded you know, like a like fan that. to me, actually at parts, especially like on the B side, like some sort, putting, yeah. putting something yep. in the blades of a fan. So it's gently hit each time. And then it's the, uh, yeah. the speeds adjusted there. I think that is that is very likely as well. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's a 46 minute tape. These two pieces are just over 22 minutes long. And to me, one of the things I hear in this also is a four track. Uh, there is some yeah. pitch manipulation of at least one of the channels that has been sort of laid down, uh, but it's not on the whole thing. So he wasn't grabbing the pitch knob once multiple, you know, while recording multiple tracks. It's, it's pretty much a, a fairly rare occurrence. But if you throw a C90, which was sort of the longest easily available commercial tape around back then into a four track, you get half the length because you're only using one side. Then you get half the length because it's recording at double the speed, which gives you 22, whatever, 23 minutes aside. So that's, I think, why we see these like two side long pieces on a C46 is because these two tracks were recorded to to, two C90s. Yeah, the, the 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 four track, the four layers of it, or the multiple layers of it. Um, I didn't see like one specific cabin. Like to me, it, like each layer sounded like the audio from like maybe four or five different surveillance cameras on the one place. So it's like yeah. maybe there's one camera outside, there's one inside, and like something's gone wrong, and so it's like it's it's cycling very quickly through all five or six cameras. So you're sort of simultaneously hearing outside in this room in this other room the thing over the roof you know and and so it it just feels like sort of like this sort of like cubist like notion of like being inside a place where you're sort of hearing all the different places in the same place at the same time and there's just something really exciting to me about those those layers because they all sound so uh so crusty and so evocative but then they're also at sort of at odds with each other. Like your, your, your ear, it's, it's got really heavy stereo separation. So you're, you're really sort of like fighting between what you're hearing in your left ear. And I, I love him on headphones, but it's what you hear on the left ear versus what you hear on the right ear. And, and they're sort of like talking to each other. And, you know, it's, it's as, as music concrete goes, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going, there's no big payoff per se. There's a little bit of a, a, a sort of a heavier resolution, but for the most part, it feels both composed and also just sort of like, like you said, like with rain, it comes and goes according to its own rhythms and, and its own whims. Yeah. There's also some other elements in it though. Like I, I hear like glass and, and maybe like broken circuit boards, some of the electronic stuff yep. on it and the sputtering reminded me of rewiring alarm clocks or transistor radios. Like you get that sort of, it's crude electronics. It is not uh, off the shelf boss pedal that Tack is using. He's got right garbage or disused consumer electronics that he's rewiring and repurposing or or home building little things. To me, uh, I hear and also there's sort of like 
you know, some like tapping and construction or moving around of it. Like I hear yep. sorts of banging and stuff. So it is these, these other elements added to it. And one thing I noticed, especially on the A side is that there's, there's just this sort of layer of, of tape hiss. That's maybe the rain, but it's in constant, constant movement. So there's always something sort of propelling you to the next sound or the next sort of other event in the work, but it, it doesn't correlate to it at all. And that makes it somehow way more interesting to me is like, there's no correlation between that sound and the rest of what's going on, but it is enough to carry my attention throughout and sort of enhance everything else it comes in contact with. So yeah, to, to, to that end, I want to, I, I brought a couple, I brought a lot of other tech uh, things here to talk about, but um, yeah. the one that I, I especially want, you know, you, you made some great points about um, hearing rattling and hearing objects and hearing other things. So one of my favorite tech releases is called, is, is self-released. It's called objects. Um, the outside packaging, I think he said it was for, this is one that I bought direct from Tom Cox. Uh, briefly, he was kind of selling to people and I think this was like a plastic case for like a piece of computer hardware or machinery or something like that. Uh, it's got a nice stencil on the front that's, you know, it's stenciled objects and it's painted olive green. Um, so what the tape is, and again, this is, this is a C100 and it is, <laughs> I mean, this is uh, like type two, maybe type four. Like this is a nice, beautifully this is a high quality cassette like this is metal this is maybe you know chrome metal something whatever i don't know what that what, i don't know what the the boss level of tapes is but it's what's one of those you know um but so all of side a is it's basically an audio cookbook like tom narrates it kind of the way ron does the um the rr taste tests he comes in and he says and and first of all tom cox he's from uh gray tennessee g-r-e-y uh, which I guess is a rural suburb of Johnson city. Um, oh. And he's got it. He's got it. He has a, he has a love, he has a lovely speaking voice and he, so he'll say, uh, okay, this sound is the sound of chains uh, being dropped on concrete with a built-in uh, condenser mic on my boom box. And then you hear clankety, 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 clank. And then I say the next sound is me manipulating a plastic bag with uh, multiple mics within the room. The next one is a metal yardstick being rubbed against uh, the wall of my house with a condenser mic. The next one is the sound of a freezer with a standard dynamic mic, you know, and it's got the, 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 the thing has the map here of all the things that he does uh, along with the type of mic used, a condenser mic, a contact mic, piezo, standard dynamic mic, multiple mics, pressure zone mic, PZM, stereo mic, unknown mic, and zoom mic. Uh, and he manipulates plastic bags, aluminum foil, grass seed spreader, speaker cover, fence post, contact mic, cellophane, reel-to-reel tape machine, disassembled camera parts, aluminum block, humidifier motor, nylon string, glass candle holders. So when you when you were saying I hear objects and I hear a lot of different sort of like it, this is it, man. He's he basically like opened his toy chest and said, I did it, and so can you. The grass hey, seed that grass spreader. Seeds- 
That's the yeah. fan blade. There you go. Yep. Yeah, and, yep. it, and it makes that tick as it spins and dispenses yeah. the grass seed. Yeah. It's really funny. Whoa. Okay. See, that's uh, that's some nice confirmation of sort of the vibes I was getting from this. Even yeah. uh, the box being from some sort of computer piece. Like I, there's something about the way that uh, circuit boards sound if you rub them together or break them and and use those pieces. And I hear that in this sound, and it really might have been that because that's a it's a unique sort of sound and they're made of some kind of fiberglass maybe mm-hmm. um but they also have like layers of uh resin or epoxy or whatever in them to hold the layers down together and they they have a very unique and weird sound and that's that is so cool to hear and yeah and despite the sort of tutorial nature of the tape like it's so listenable like i like i mean i like human voice anyway so i like hearing them tell me things but then like each individual sound is you 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 can hear like what the appeal of this particular mic with this particular object is you're like oh that's that's got a sort of a creamy sound to it this has kind of a a nice you know thin metallic sound that is a, a chunky metallic sound this has you know that sort of like cotton on microphone sound you know and and you can and i, I you know i think i told him oh i I wouldn't mind doing some tape music someday. And I think he was just like, yeah, it's all right here. Just try it. Just try everything, you know? And it was, it's very inspirational that way. Well, you know, I I can see that it doesn't take away from the enjoyment because somehow, even when you know what it is, it it almost makes it better because you can visualize it and, and truly in the, in, is it, if it fits, you're just visualizing things like it's it's yeah. one of those it's one of those pieces that just takes you somewhere you're constantly visualizing something it feels really tangible it's always like right on the tip of your brain what it is you're like oh i think i know what that sound is and you can't quite pick it out and then yeah. you get you know all, all of those feelings and that you know astral projection via cassette tape happens here completely Was- agree was this the first tack thing you came across or had you, well, did you know the pure CD? What was your, why no, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I discovered tack through Howard Stelzer actually. Um, I, he was I, and still, I see, he's, he's worked with tack a few times. He has, yes. And the second intransitive release, the first, the first official, t- uh, the first intransitive release was he, he got some copies of a seven inch that someone he knew had put out, uh, the amazing Mr. Slug. And I, so th- th- that's the technically intransitive Oh one, but it was already like, here, I'll just take this. I'll release it. The first official intransitive thing was a tech factor X collaboration cassette, which I unfortunately don't. It's the only intransitive <laughs> thing I have. Oh. Damn it. um but the thing i mean uh, i think at this point howie was still living in in florida and we were we were corresponding by email and and he i i remember him saying like you've got to check out tech this is amazing uh and he said that you know the thing he tipped me to is the next thing i'm going to show off to the the video screen that unfortunately audio audience won't get to hear we'll tell him how great it looks it is is the next box set uh it is a six c100 box set on the suitcase label of um eric blevins of all fours uh and it was uh, okay so first of all like just the actual again it's a homemade package in the way that if it fits is where you have a a, you know brown paper bag but here so what you have is probably about a it maybe an eight by eight um slipcase box uh it is wrapped in um a layer of sort of mesh that's sewed together it looks like screen door Screen, yeah, so like screen cool. door, and it's 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 screen printed with these sort of symbols on both sides. You can barely see it, but it it sort of like makes the thing 
across. And then, so you have kind of like a, it's like a wraparound paper sleeve here that's been screen printed on both sides. It says next tack on the front and a, and sort of a abstract thing. And then on back, there's a sort of purple kind of Eric Lundy-ish sort of like modern runes kind of vibe on that. Um, and then, so you slide it open and um, he, <laughs> so there's a booklet, which uh, has a nice uh, sort of hand painted uh, image on the front and then another wow. um, screen print on the back. But he basically took like six cassette cases and just <laughs> took the tops <laughs> off and Oh, and, wow. and, and stuck them oh, together, sort of. Crazy. Them. That's a pretty crazy That's style. A style. It is straight up my favorite piece of homemade <laughs> I don't think packaging I've ever in the world. Wow. Like, yeah. And then, and then each, I didn't realize. And then each side of the tape has a single spray paint dot, sprayed paint dot on it to sort of let you Signify. know what you're listening to against the booklet. Yeah. So what I love about this, apart from again, it's it's so wonderfully homemade and it feels like it was made just for me and it feels like I'm you know I'm being hugged while I'm I'm looking at it. But um, so it, so the booklet is is real simple. It's like that kind of like like that early kind of GX, you know, the sort of like proto computer uh, processing, computer processing yeah. sort of slidey Xerox type stuff, you know, um, real sort of real big sort of chunky typewriter font. So it says next first 10 years of noise, tack six box set. All audio materials were remixed, re-edited from the original master tapes or the equivalent of by tack. Um, so, you know, it gives you, you know, the list of the 10 sides and they're each sort of listed by, a sort of a three letter acronym, G-A-M, S-E-V, S-I-L, S-T-I, M-A-X, A-W-K. And then it tells you what the, what, how the color sort of relates to it. So um, I just want to read through the, the sort of 10 sides. So you get a sense because you, do. you get to see the evolution of uh, the, the world basically. So first one, G-A-M, 1984, 1985, earliest experiments in creating and capturing audio slash sonic materials contains all previously unreleased materials. Side two, SEV, 1985-87, first attempts at composition and one of the earliest environmental recordings. Contains the severe nonsense cassette release with previously unreleased material. SIL is 1989 to 1990, first experiments in processing sounds and use of borrowed materials. Contains the tape Silence, Exile, and Cunning. STI, 1990-1991, compositions, further processing, and actual attempts at cut-ups contains still life tape release with one previously unreleased track. MAX 1991, minimalist monoroll phase and redefinition of approach, contains the tape maximum output, minimum effort with unreleased material. AWK from 1992, introduction of materials from outside artists and further processing techniques, contains the awkward slash nondescript tape release with unreleased material. CUT 1991-92 variations of completed audio kits. So this is another thing that that TAC did. He would release things where he would give you just a an, a, a mass of sp unspooled tape and either a tape case or a reel. And he did a collaboration <laughs> with Chop Shop where they each had a spool of tape in there, the one you know processing the other. And he said, and he gives you a reel and he says, chop it up, tape it together, put it on the reel make it for yourself. Wow. So this tape <laughs> is a variation of completed audio kits contains previously unassembled materials from cut and cut to audio kits. Next, next side, ABS 1992 further composition and concentration on object recordings contains the abstract tape release and the release material 
FAC, previously unavailable, contains collaborative works with Factor X. And that's the same material that's on the uh, intransitive tape. Uh, And then finally, SMA 1993, previously unavailable, contains collaborative works with Small Cruel Party. Oh, there's two more. Uh, ODD 1993, continued works of sound collage and processing, contains unreleased material. And LST 1993-94, latest compositional efforts, contains unreleased material. So it's like a diary. Like He spent an entire year trying to figure out how to just capture sound. Uh, A whole year spent learning how to compose, an entire year learning cut-ups, you know? And I I don't know, there's something so awesome about that to me that, you know, it's so slow and deliberate and... I've been I've been re-listening to this this box set. I'm actually a couple tapes in right now, and it's it's such an education. Like the second side of the first tape is some of the the tack noise, but then there's also like he's clearly got a synth and he's or not even a synth a keyboard like a you know. And then there's like maybe a couple of guitar hits in there, and you're like like the sound of pig is very strong on this one. Like it's got that kind of like. 80s cassette culture vibe but it sounds very off and then you know there's a point where the composition gets more and more complex and then it says you know uh monaural minimal and that's where he hits this point where he's like all right enough of all this composition let's just get the sound right you know and then mm-hmm. and, and there's there's so much there's so much thought in this box set and it gets me so jazzed up and so when you get to a a 98 release like you know if it fits like you hear a little bit of all these different eras you get the sort of the taste, the, the not tasteful, but the thoughtful editing mixed with the sort of like pure object recording. And it just feels like such a, like an apogee to me, you know, and it's neat to see it against something like this, where he's given you, you know, the entire, the entire ramp up there. And then the objects thing where he shows you his entire toolkit. <laughs> what a, what a cool thing. And I, I love yeah. the specific info too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun it, to keep a mystery, but it's also fun to actually get some clues. And it's not yeah. like it gives you every single clue that there is, but it gives you a lot of clues and a lot of breadcrumbs. You have to right. still put them together yourself. Well, imagine it getting is. this with an interest in making these kind of sounds and having this at yeah. your disposal to sort of be like, okay, as the objects tape, especially like here's this recorded with this. You said, it, you know, you had talked about wanting to make some tape music like that. You have sort of a toolkit there to at least get started because this stuff without context and without scene and, and certainly pre internet constant communication, how do you find out what chains right. with a condenser mic sounds like if you don't have either of those things, if you don't yeah. have a friend who knows to show you, if you don't have, you know, you, you have to think of it, you have to come up with it and you're not going to come up with all of the things that he's put on his tape or that he wouldn't come up with all the things you would put on your tape if done right. in a similar manner. And sharing that information is really interesting and seeing it, in this next box, it's also really interesting just to see the the level of sort of documentation and focus that he yeah. had. So I got to I got to show you one more package of text, and this is this is uh, this came out on another legendary label, Band Productions, of course. Oh uh, yeah, AMK. Uh, this is not even on Discogs. Uh, this is a tack tape titled "Try My Hand," and I'll just I'm just going to show it up to the camera, and you guys can tell me what 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 you think you're seeing here. <laughs> What's up? All right. 
block ahead, of great. concrete, sort of a, a shape like an old like Apple IIe computer or something like a, <laughs> um, with wires sticking out of it that has been fastened through yeah. uh, two pieces of cardboard, which has a paper band roll with tack. Try my yep. hand printed on it, and it's folded over to hold it down like a like a yeah it's yeah it's it's a pieces brad, of, sort of. of steel rebar going through the through the concrete and then folded around the uh, so he did uh, he he or AMK must have cast that concrete with that rebar for for this purpose yeah yeah I believe so yeah it, I I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what the conversation was like that brought you to that, but, um, but it's stunning. I mean, you got to sit there and, and pull the, pull the bars over open. Like you're a, you know, like you're some sort of a strong man or something, you know, and you yeah, open that's it on up. A shelf. And if, if I have that thing, that's going on a display oh, it shelf. It is on a shelf. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's great. And it's like a C10. I mean, it's like, it's, it's so, it's so little sound for like, you know, and, and, and such a big production, but it's great. I mean, all, all this, all the tech from this year is fantastic. Wonder if you could have got that for that uh, $1 shipping cost on that old spite. <laughs> like the old um that old chop shop steel plate thing please count as 20 lps for shipping yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so uh with the i feel like um with uh, along with the the pure cd um uh, and and if it fits like this was kind of the end of the tack tape era so uh i follow like i said i followed tom's work uh up into his i think his final recordings were around 2003 2002 um, he went to CDR at a certain point, his stuff got distributed by anomalous. Um, and it was uh, still very homemade. It definitely looks more early two thousands. You have the sort of, um, you know, the, the printed, um, you know, sticker on the front. It's like a, a fold around sort of craft paper sleeves with, you know, a lot of hand painting, a lot of, um, stamps of like spore molds. It's definitely sort of nature oriented, but it's sort of the difference between like, 2000s Jeff German and Hands 2. Like all of a sudden it's the same materials, but it's very sort of clean sounding, you know, it's environments. It's, you know, there's, there's one, there's a double three inch that literally sounds like a recording of his backyard. And like, you actually hear like bottle rockets, you know, like, it's just like <laughs> crickets quiet. And then you just hear a, you know, <laughs> and you're like, it's probably just, he probably just recorded, you know, July 4th. And and that's about it. You know, the 2003 album, uh, it's a, a little three inch CD. I guess I didn't bring it up with me, but um, uh, it's nearly silent. And and I, I, like how he said, like he, he put out a nearly silent record and then just disappeared. <laughs> wow. He evaporated into the it night. Went. A long, <laughs> slow fade out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good literary finale. He actually did another three inch uh, under his own name, Tom Cox, for Jason Talbot's Kissy label uh, and had and collaborated with Jeff German in 2009 on a thing that comes in a big wooden box with lots of stuff that makes me sneeze, lots of spores and <laughs> and, 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 and Tara as well. Yes, exactly. I, I, I mentioned it. that for Tara because we're both uh, heavy, <laughs> allergies, no. heavily, yeah. heavy allergists right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't really know whatever became of, of Tom Cox after that. Like, well, he, I'm curious now, how did he keep the spores alive without something to eat? Is it, maybe they're, oh, I don't know. It I, they're, they're dry. They're dried. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's like it's mushroom caps and mold spores and, and it's just, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of sort of like crunchy things that are drying up by the day and, you know, probably will be dust in 10 years or something okay. like well, that. I, I was excited because, you know, Mushrooms and spores can definitely grow on cardboard, as we've all mm. known from wet boxes. I was hoping yes. that they were growing directly crazy. on the album. That would be crazy. Yeah. 
The most impenetrable tack thing in my collection here is a CDR that he put out called Situations and Circumstance. So this is around the CDR era. Uh, and he basically took leftover materials, both Sonic and uh, pieces from all of the previous releases and he made them into this CDR slash art object. And it's one of those ones, like I I do my best to like not just put things on a shelf and not listen to them or whatever, but this is impossible to open without it, without <laughs> destroying it. Right, like, right. I bought this from Anomalous. So oh, it looks is, like some of the like a uh, yeast culture Pretty. sort of yeah. like really chicken wire. It's, it's, chick- it's, it's two layers of chicken wire. It, it, it There's either, I think there's a leaf or maybe even a piece of leather. There's, there's dried mushrooms or spores or something. There's a seed pod that's sticking out of it. And then the, the branch going it's all the way down the side. Looking. It's there's so many layers and there's just no way you could open this and ever hope to like, it would just turn into a pile of garbage on your table. You know, <laughs> right, right. I really want to hear it. I, I love, I like hearing all of his stuff, but like, this is such a lovely, like, this is one of those ones that I will just hold in my hands and look at and turn over mm-hmm. and sort of put my fingers through. And I'm perfectly happy just to have it as a piece of art in my house, you know, but I do kind of, yeah. I would love to hear what's what's in there or if the CDR even plays anymore. I have no, I have no <laughs> well, idea. Well, right, yeah. there's certainly that. He always recorded on those like super high quality, like the, you know, the ones that were like the really deep blue, you know, where you're like, yeah. oh, those, he probably spent like $4 a disc on those or something like that. And the, yeah, it seems like he gets forever. the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very thoughtful. And, and yeah. Yeah. That, oh, I, oh that, that's what I wanted to mention was we're talking about all of the sort of like personal nature of this and the sort of how open he was about his 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 toolbox and his his approaches and what he was doing and how he got there. Um, I sent along. I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to it, but there is a compilation track that Tech put out on RRR called America the Beautiful uh, yep. is, is the compilation. And there's a great track on there. And you may have used it elsewhere, but it's called um, What Do You Do? And he's talking to someone in England. I'm assuming it's Factor X or someone like that. And it's it's kind of a combination of his tech tape noise and like an audio letter. He's just, he says, you know, what do you do over there in England? I don't do much of anything these days. Sometimes, you know, me and my wife both have to work and I don't have time. Sometimes I just sit home and read books. Sometimes... Some summers, it seems like all I do is mow the lawn. The fucking grass just grows and grows, you know? And and it, to me, it, like, it ties the entire project together because you have, you know, this person in, you know, gray Tennessee, you know, just outside of Johnson City who, you know, is is just working. He's got, you know, two, two income uh, household, uh, mowing the lawn all the time, just trying to make a new thing, tired from the day, just, just, you know, and, and you get a sense of why there's like this, this 10 year progression where it might take this long for me to sort of figure out this one thing that I've been trying to work on and, and life keeps getting in the way. And it's, it's, that's so compelling to me. This is such a cool window into the world of tech that up until yeah. an hour ago, I was pretty unaware of. Yes. I, I love, yeah, I love this guy's story. I, I guess you, you can tell I'm always drawn to like people with like uh, unusual stories. And his is one of the most interesting to me. And, and you know, he, there, there's that four way collaboration they did with evil moisture and factor X and Runcel Stern and gurgle stock. Like, you know, he was, he was in there with the heavy hitters, you know, like he, he did a split tape with sudden infant, you know, he did, he did collaborations with factor X. Like he, you know, th- this is not just like, you know, well, 
no one's ever going to hear this. It's just me recording in my, you know, in my barn or whatever. Like, you know, he was on the stage, you know, Mm -hmm. but, and again, would he have been able to do more if he had been independently wealthy or didn't have to, you know, mow the lawn all summer or things like that, you know? Or if Um, he wasn't in Johnson City, Tennessee. (laughs) Outside of Johnson City, Tennessee. Yeah, 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 right, right. Because I've been to Johnson City. (laughs) It's still not a big city. No. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Lewis Saunders lives there too as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I've heard stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a really refreshing and, and sort of strange world of noise that I feel like, uh, it's, we can definitely talk about more. I mean, I'm talking about noisemakers fives and stuff like that. Like it has something in common with, with that element too, of the sort of instrumentation you listed is sort of what I was talking about being pictured on the back of the public frontation CD of just like, anything and everything I can use to make sound, I'm using it and it's going to sound and I've spent the time to make it sound interesting or cool or put together with this stuff. And that's, that's what it is. That's what we're hearing here is someone who knows their sounds and knows how to use them and knows how to put them together and how to capture them. And we're taken on a weird journey or, you know, we're teleported to this cabin in the rain, but is it a cabin in the rain? Like there's all these things happening to it and oh well tara drew a cabin so it must be cat yeah, that's a good drawing of a cabin <laughs> well crescent moon over it the jury has spoken yeah well, never mind it's a cabin during the rain uh, i don't know what i was thinking yeah yeah there you go oh, i mean the first for this b side my first two words are rainy texture but yeah. there's also mm-hmm. one of the things we didn't talk about on this is the sort of vocal rutting and grunting sounds that I was hearing. Do you guys pick up on that stuff too? There is like I can't say can't nope. say I did. A weird crudeness to it that is not there's no words. There's no there's no conversation. There's just this sort of animalistic low key sort of grunting. Throughout both of it, well, that's why I, I love heard. that you heard that. I didn't. I don't. I wish I, didn't I had heard that. that up. Yeah, there, there's something that repeats through it. I don't know if it's a, a tape technique, but it sounds to me like heavy exhaling as well. There's a there's a sort of <sighs> that I that that could be just a, a tape technique, or it could be like his voice. And I I don't have the slightest idea, but it's one of my favorite things about it. It's 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 so it's it's got such friction and such such texture to it. Well, you know, as we're talking, I think what I'm just struck with about Tom Cox and tack is, is it seems like he's really interested in not just the process for doing it, but finding his own way to the process, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I, it's always interesting when people are potentially living in a vacuum without access to other people and, and then they come up with their way of doing it. And maybe it's exactly the same solution that we've all come up with on our own, but it, it's always so interesting, and especially since he's revealed his process, to just see somebody who's interested in their own process and interested in making sound for sound's sake and art for art's sake and finding their own way of doing it instead of like, let me go read this textbook and then they tell me how to do it and then I do that back. And I think that that right. definitely comes across as somebody. And, you know, I, I used to go down to this town in Tennessee just to go to this one pawn shop because I knew that there were these 
guys who made instruments uh, and they would invent the instruments and maybe, sell them to the pawn shop. It was it was it wasn't far away. Yeah. So I, I maybe maybe he does that, but it would just be people in in the nearby hills that would just enjoyed woodworking and would make instruments and put strings on random things. And some of them you could yep. tell what they played, and some you couldn't tell what they played. And sometimes they made dulcimers, and sometimes they made things, and they would make up these really long, weird, obscene names for them. So like it just makes me think of that, you know, thing of of being kind of isolated out in the country, not being in a big city and, you know, you're, you're finding your own solution. And I think that that gets really interesting. You know, one of those things doing trashware and getting to talk to people about their process and their equipment is it's, and one of the things I don't want it to be is sort of a, this is how to do this. You can certainly take someone's idea or their process or approach and, try to use it in your own and do it, do something in a new way. But it's, it is about like how people found their way through that stuff and the kind of things that help them. And that's why I always, when I, when I do them, I always try to start off with like, how did you get into making noise? Because that's where a lot of us really develop sort of our ideas about how to make these sounds. And with Tom Cox, he, he developed his own way in, in this, at least perceived isolation uh, view that we have of him. And he also made a document, the objects tape of how he was doing that. Something he probably wished that he might've had, but at the same time, we're incredibly thankful he didn't because he did find his own way to work and make these sounds and make this unique thing. So I think that it's, it's uh, it is really interesting thing. And I think having that sort of, documentation of a process is very important because that stuff is, it can be lost if he didn't have, if he wasn't keeping these sort of notes and putting this out in the world, then no one's, no one's ever going to know. And instead we've got some really interesting noise to listen to and also to understand how it's made and how to incorporate any of those ideas that we like or don't like into our own sounds. Yeah. And Gray, that is a great point. It is perceived isolation because we don't know. He could be, you know, driving yeah. Nashville every weekend, hanging out with tons of people, yeah. like going total, to the Grand Ole Opry, hanging whole, out with the gear, yeah, hanging out with the gearheads, uh, tape manipulators, in, in and <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, like yeah. he, might, he might just been the one that made it out. You know, who knows? Yeah, well, yeah they all thing... have like a club and they do stuff together and they like they're like building computers and they're like who knows? But, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is also a thing that I, I remember seeing in the like mid 2000s whatever with modular synth is that people when i started buying stuff for mine the people there were these guys that had these crazy modular setups and they had them in their basements for their fun time when they got home from work they yeah. weren't they weren't mm-hmm. part of a scene they were not going to play a gig they were never going to release yeah. a tape they might have put something on mp3.com or sent a couple friends something or show their friends when they come over but they operate in isolation and they and they they had and their they inspirations just collecting the synths either like they were like you said they were playing them just for their own enjoyment yeah they it was it was this thing of yeah i this is what i, I like to crack a couple beers and play my modular when i have you know on the weekends yeah. and when you find artists that sort of seem to have that same sort of kinship to that idea, what well, like a Tom Cox, who's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta work my job and I gotta mow my damn lawn. But also when I have the time, I'm going to record some chains with a condenser mic outside on mm-hmm. dirt and on concrete. Like, yep. I, I like that. Some people choose to become a part of a scene and release that stuff, but there's also people working out there that do things strictly for their sole enjoyment of it. And capturing the, the fine line between that is something I think this tape does very well. Yeah. 
is there more is there any other tax stuff you want to get to before we wrap up no no that was that was that was ample i i again um there is a pure cd um it's a little noisier than some of the other ones and it's it's also very good uh it's it's what it's in that sort of fish nor fowl thing where it's noisier than most of tax stuff but it's less noisy than most pure stuff so um Uh, And again, the title is Out of Context, which now, given what we know about his sounds and his documenting of his process, it makes sense. Like objects could be without the narration could be out of context because it is out of context sounds he's collected. So uh, dig into the pure disc. Yeah. This was so cool. Yeah. Chris. Thank you. God, I love when you're on it. I I can't believe it's been a year. We have to have to do this more frequently. Because I'm this down is if you're down. Hey, it's it's possible we're already are talking about something else. Yeah, it's possible. And it's possible that Wheels if we all motion. go back, if it's possible if we all go back in time to Sunday, you can hear us over on the Patreon. <laughs> 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 this is so cool, man! Thank you so much for bringing the insane knowledge for this really cool odd pocket of '90s noise. Per usual. My pleasure. Yeah, and and yeah, yeah, thank you for the platform. Thank you for for being awesome and 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 having fun with me and and, and indulging all these these stories. I mean, I think we hey, said it before, but like it. these are these are the things that you don't you don't always get to tell the people in your life or extended life or whatever. Like there's a there's that that narrow window of people who are like that's something I've always wanted and now I have hey. it, you know. <laughs> I'm glad to have I'm glad to have found a, a, an avenue for that. Well, we're opening up the yes. windows and shouting it. Okay. To the world. Hail Tom and Cox, man. That yeah. is right. <laughs> so cool. Awesome. Imagine how great that would be if he hears this and, and got in touch and is like, hey, man, hey. I've been working on stuff for the last 20 years. Weirder <laughs> things have happened with that this podcast stoked. in these past couple years. So, hey, Tom, reach out. Hello. Yeah. All right, Chris, we will talk to you soon. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.